in the 21st chapter of the book of Genesis, beginning with verse 22. Genesis 21 and verse 22. A little background to the passage. The 20th chapter, we have already seen Abraham with Abimelech, which is a title of the king of Philistia. That is his title. We've seen him with Abraham in the 20th chapter, where Abraham went to Gerar, the land of the Philistines, and there Abraham lied about his wife Sarah to protect his life. And uh, Abimelech rebuked him for that. So now we see Abraham and Abimelech again. The circumstances are different at this time. But beginning with verse 22, the Bible says, And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me nor with my son nor with my son's son but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abram said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I wot not who hath done this thing, neither dost thou tell me, neither yet heard I it, I of it but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves. And he said, For these seven ewe lambs thou shalt take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because there they swear both of them. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up, and Phicol the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, or literally the Hebrew El Olom. And Abram, Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for your awesome presence and power that's in this place. We lift up your holy name. We ask God that you would be glorified in everything that we seek to do this morning. I pray, Father God, that you would speak through me, that you would inspire me, and you would anoint me to speak to this church. And Lord, I give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And everybody said in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, let's back up just a little bit into the 20th chapter of the book of Genesis so that you will see uh, Abraham and Abimelech uh, in the past. Uh, the Bible tells us in verse 1, Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt uh, between uh, Kadesh and Shur and journeyed or sojourned in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. 
And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. And you'll remember that story how Abimelech rebuked Abraham for lying to him, but God intervened on the behalf of Abraham and uh, delivered him out of that situation. Now, in the 21st chapter, we see that Sarah uh, has finally had a child named Isaac. He's been born to Sarah and Abraham in old age. It's a miracle son, the miracle son of Isaac. And there's great rejoicing that has taken place in the house of Abraham and Sarah. This child Isaac grew up, the Bible tells us, and he was weaned. Uh, he became an adult, of course, at 13, the bar mitzvah. And then the Bible tells us at that time that Hagar, the Egyptian, is mocking uh, uh, Isaac. And so the scripture tells us that this bondwoman Hagar and her son is cast out to Abraham's grief. The scripture goes on and tells us that as Hagar and Ishmael journey, God intervenes and also helps them in the time of their wandering and delivers them out of the wilderness. Now the scripture tells us as a result of that, uh, in verse 20, God was with the lad. He grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. This was the way he could support himself was by hunting. And then verse 21, he dwelt, and we're talking about Ishmael, in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt because she is an Egyptian. She went to her people of the Egyptians and took uh, an Egyptian for wife to her son Ishmael, which was not a good idea, actually. Uh, but anyway, the Bible then from there, verse 22, we come to this event in Abraham and Abimelech's life. The scripture tells us that in verse 21, it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now, when it says, when it came to pass at that time, the time frame is when the party was uh, given for Isaac at the time of his uh, bar mitzvah. All right. So actually, you know, you have to sort of look at the paragraph here, but it could have taken place actually at that party that Abimelech shows up at that time. And this is when he wants to enter into a covenant with Abraham, a peace covenant with Abraham. Now, the scripture tells us here that Abimelech and then we have also the chief captain Phicol of the host of, of his army they come and speak unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now therefore swear unto me. So what he is seeking here is he is seeking a covenant. He's seeking a covenant with Abraham, a covenant of peace. And the Bible is clear as to why this Philistine king, Abimelech, wants a covenant with Abraham. It is not because Abraham has a lot of money, so on and so forth. The Bible tells us here the reason why Abimelech wants to enter into covenant with Abraham is because he sees that God is with Abraham in all things. Okay? Now that's interesting. <clears throat> what does this mean? Well, he knows that Abraham has had God intervene on his behalf many times. If you go back to the 12th chapter on through the 15th chapter, we see God enter into an Ab a covenant with Abraham which was an eternal covenant. Say with me, an eternal covenant. The Bible tells us in the 14th chapter of the book of Genesis that Abraham goes to war with kings. And Abraham defeats those kings in battle. We see as we go through the story of Abraham in the 12th chapter also of the book of Genesis, 
that Sarah is delivered and also Abraham out of the Pharaoh's hands again. Uh, Abraham lied there, so God saved uh, them there. And then we see in the 20th chapter of the book of Genesis where God intervenes on the behalf of Abraham and delivers them once again. Now we have a promised son that is born to Abraham. And so as this man Abimelech begins to look at the situation and begins to recognize that Abraham, God is with Abraham and has helped him with so many situations in his life. This is the reason why Abimelech wants to be in covenant with Abraham. It is because he recognized that God has been with Abraham and this kind of man that has the presence of God with him, he wants to be in covenant with. Amen. You all understand the story so far? If you do, say praise the Lord. Okay, so then the Bible goes on and it tells us here, the reason is that God is with thee. And anybody that's as successful as you are in life, Abimelech says, I want to be in a relationship with you. But not only that, because I recognize that your son, this, this son that's been born, promised son in old age, a supernatural son that's been born, says, I recognize, he recognizes that this uh, uh, people will become a great nation. It's not just an individual he's entering into covenant with. He's entering into a people that he believes is going to be a great nation, a huge kingdom in the future. And so as a result of this then, because God is with Abraham, he wants to be in this covenant. Now look at verse 23. So he says to Abraham, Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me. All right, we're going to enter in this covenant. I want you to take an oath. I want you to swear by God that you're going to tell me the truth that you're going to be truthful with me unlike you did in the past when you lied about your wife Sarah. I want this to be a relationship based on truth. No more lying. Okay? And so he, he says again, if you look at it, therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me. You're going to deal with me according to truth. And then he goes on and he says, nor with my son or my son's sons, but according to the kindness which I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. So, again, Abimelech's wanting to enter in this covenant of peace, but he says, I want you to be truthful with me. When we enter in this covenant, these are the terms of the covenant. One of them is truthfulness. The second one is, it's going to be a long-term commitment. It's not just going to be with me, it's going to be with my son, and then my son's sons. This is a long-term commitment that Abimelech wants to enter into with Abraham. Do you see that? Okay. So it's very interesting to look at as we look at the verses here. The Bible says it's going to be based on truth, number one. It's going to be a long-term commitment. Now, anytime you enter into any type of covenant, it has to be based on those things. If it's marriage or if it's with God or whatever the co commitment is or the covenant is, it has to be based on a commitment. And that's where we're lacking today in this hour. Where we're lacking right now is people do not want to enter into commitments. Okay? They don't want to be committed in marriage. They don't want to be committed in church services or uh, to a church, whatever. There's, there's a real lack of commitment in this hour. And so this king, Abimelech, recognizes the importance of, number one, this relationship or this covenant must be based on truth and then it must be a long-term commitment with me, with my son, and my son's sons. How many of you want to be committed? Amen. Okay. 
Now, as we look at this covenant that's being entered into, what we have to understand is Abraham's going to enter into a covenant with an earthly king. But the covenant that he makes with an earthly king is typical of the eternal covenant that he's already entered into with God. Okay? And so what we have is then when we see this typical is that when you and I make a covenant to God, it has to be based on truth. You have to get rid of falsehood out of your life. You have to get rid of self-denial out of your life. You have to start walking in truth. Get truthful with yourself. Be true to yourself and be true to God and, and stop denying what's real in your life. Amen. And then when you make that commitment, it has to be a long-term commitment. So many people, and I do not get concerned about people who come and go from this church. It bothers me a little bit. I get, I, I get a little bit worried about them, but I'm just going to tell you this. People that come and go from this church that have the ability to just come sit on a pew and they'll be here for a little while and then be gone after that, just forget them because they're not going to be committed to anything. And so when we look at the Scripture here, the Bible says, Abimelech says, I want a commitment from you. Now, and if an earthly king wants a commitment from Abraham, how much does the eternal God want from Abraham and from you and I? He wants a long-term commitment. And we're living in an hour and an age, especially right now, where people are not going to be committed. Okay? They're flippant. They're flighty. They just go from one situation to another situation. They're led by emotion. They're led by their feelings. It's just a mess. All right? But God wants you and I. Amen. I'm going to make that commitment as a pastor. I've already made that commitment to God. And I know that you, many of you have made that commitment to God, that you are here, that you are committed to God, to serving God. You're committed to the church and you're committed to relationships. And that's what's important in this hour. Because if you're not committed, you're not going to get anywhere in life and you're probably not going to make it to heaven. Say praise the Lord. God is looking for, if an earthly king can request that, the eternal king can request that. Amen. Are y'all with me here today? Now, you might not like what I'm preaching, but I'm still going to preach it to you. The thing about what I'm saying to you is this, is if you come to church every once in a while and we don't see you for weeks, forget it. We're not going to waste our time with you. We want you to make it, but you're going to have to make a commitment. You know? I mean, how many of y'all would be crazy enough to enter into a marriage contract or co covenant with somebody that's not going to be committed to the marriage? You wouldn't do that, would you? If you got married, you want that person, if it's a man or a woman, to be committed to you. Amen. And God wants you to be committed to Him. And if you're going to get into church, get into church, stay in a church. If it's not this one, if it's not this one, go somewhere where you can be committed to God and to serving God. Amen. And the majority of the people that are here are for real. Because we preach to you for real. We don't play around. We don't make light of things. We don't, you know, amen. We preach to you the truth, the real ways of God, the way to live for the Lord. And uh, if you don't want that, fine. That's fine with us. But wherever you go, you're going to have to get committed. You understand that? Praise the Lord. Amen. How many of y'all could even keep a job? How many could keep a job if you went there like maybe once or twice a week? Well, that's okay, I guess, if you're, you know, hired to go there once or twice a week. But if you're supposed to be there five or six days a week and you don't even show up at once or twice a week, I promise you that boss is not going to keep you there. 
And when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the church, you've got to be more committed and more sold out than you do even your earthly job. And so if an earthly king can come to Abraham and say, I want a relationship, but it's got to be based in truth. No more lying to each other here. You've lied to me in the past, Abraham. We're not going to go that route again. You understand that? Is everybody with me here? See, what, what gets us into trouble sometimes is, you know, especially the church, we're sort of gullible. You know, and we care about people and we just stretch out our hands constantly to people. They don't want God. They don't want us. They don't want anything in life. They don't want to be committed to it. And we end up being the ones getting hurt. Give me somebody that's going to live for the Lord. And, and, and some of y'all looking at me, you know, like this pastor's really mad. This one. I'm not mad. I'm just preaching the Word of God to you. You've got to learn, and I have to learn, to be committed. Committed to God. Committed to church. Committed to your husband. Committed to your wife. I'm not looking for a way out of my marriage. I'm not looking for a way out of the church. I'm not looking for a way to quit on God. you got to get it together. You can't keep a job if you're not truthful. Amen, somebody's, they may give you a, a place to live, you know, you enter into a contract with those people to rent the house. If you're not committed to that, you'll be on the streets. You enter into a contract to buy a car or buy a house. If you don't make those payments, they don't, they're not going to be say, well, you know, we're just going to give you another four or five months, six months, and we'll see what you do. No. Amen, after a while, you're going to be on the streets. Somebody say praise the Lord. I know you don't like what I'm saying this morning. But anything in life you have to make a commitment to. You have to make a commitment to your health. If you don't care about your health, your health going to go. You've got to make a commitment to your health. You've got to make a commitment to your spiritual life. You've got to make a commitment to your relationships, commitment to your marriage. Hallelujah. No matter what comes, no matter what difficult, I'm, I'm here. Hallelujah. And I've been married over 30 years. No, not quite. Almost 30 years. And it takes a commitment. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's just the way it is. You're going to have good days, bad days, difficult situations, obstacles, all kinds of things are going to hit you right in the face. And if you're not committed, man, you're going to just go down. Somebody say praise the Lord. You know, and you got to be committed to a church. I was in a church, man, you talk about... It, it was like boot camp. When I was coming up, this boot camp. You think I'm tough. It was boot camp, man. We were fasting about three days a week most of the time. And Sister Adele can tell you, I'm telling you the truth. I mean, lift your hand if I'm telling the truth. Look at her. Look, you don't believe me? Look at her. She knows, okay? <clears throat> we fasted about three days a week, you know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, often, not just, just uh, maybe once a year. I'm talking about often three days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Fasting, praying. I mean, I've showed you pictures. I, I, I weighed about 130 pounds. I don't weigh 130 pounds anymore. But in that church that I was in, I weighed about 130 pounds. We prayed and fasted so much, man. Hallelujah. Like Jeff Arnold said, his belly button touched the back. That's his back. Man. I mean, that's just about the way it was. Praying and fasting, you know. Go to your work. Get off work. Go and help build a church building. Praise God. And in the meantime, as you're doing that, also teach on Bible studies. Then on the weekend, go and do a bus ministry. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? All I'm telling you is it was tough in those years when I first got in the church. And I stayed in that church for about seven to eight years. And I did not get out of that church until God called me to pastor a church. So when I preach to you about commitment and covenant, I'm a person that lives it. It, and it got tough. It was hard, you know. And a lot of people today, as soon as it gets a little uncomfortable, like we preached the other last week, you know, gets a little uncomfortable and the pastor starts, you know, recognizing what they're about and who they really are, you know, they start feeling uncomfortable and they just take off somewhere else. I don't know anything about that. See, I can't even work with that kind of individual. I don't even understand their mindset. How that they can do that. Because I lived in a very difficult situation when I first came into the church. And you don't have, you think you got it bad. You don't have it bad. You understand what I'm saying? Required to fast all the time. Skin and bones. Hallelujah. Working for God. And then on top of that, teaching Bible studies and everything else we possibly could. Then required to give to the building program on top of that too. On top of our ties. At times, I mean, at church service, the pastor said, oh, what are you going to do for God? You'd have to stand up right in the middle of the church service, lift your hand and say, this is what I'm going to do for God. Am I telling the truth, Sister Adele? Amen? And I mean, well, I'm not saying you weren't happy. I was happy too, praise God. Adele, what I'm trying to tell these people is that if they think it's so hard here, they need to understand it's not hard here. And I agree with Sister Adele what she says. I was happy. When you live hard for God, it'll be easy. You try to live easy for God, it's going to be hard. If you lose your life, you're going to gain it. If you try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. I mean, so she's right. I'm not casting a negative on that church or that pastor. I'm just telling you, if you think it's hard here, you can forget it. The problem is, you lack commitment. And you're trying to make excuses for yourself. Hallelujah. That's all it is. Alright? Say praise the Lord. So if you want to get real and you want to be real here, you want to be real with God, you want to be real with your husband and your wife, you want to be real in your relationship, you want to be real in your service with God, this is the place to be. Say praise the Lord. If you don't want that, goodbye. Good riddance. My mentor, you're going to be with the Lord. He said, just wave a Maggie's doors. Now, I don't even know what Maggie's doors is. I think it's some military thing they used to do. They run up the pole, put Maggie's doors on the poles, and run. I don't know what that means, but anyway. You understand what I'm saying? And, they, and I'm not talking about the church that I'm, I'm talking about when I was raised in, the one I was pastoring, you know. I just, it seemed like everywhere I go, I just cause trouble. You know what I mean? Because everywhere I go, it seems like I'm the one that causes all the trouble. And Brother Dice, you know, I was having a little trouble at that church. And Brother Dice said, just, just wave a Maggie's doors. He said, just go on, forget it. And I did. I took his advice. I waved them Maggie's doors and took off. Hallelujah. Goodbye, good riddance. Have a great life. Wonderful life. Are you here with me today? Are you really here with me today? And you say, well, why would you have that kind of attitude, Pastor? Because my wife and myself, it was a small church. My wife and myself got up early in the morning, drove all the way from Crane to Odessa, Texas, worked a full-time job and pastored a full-time church at the same time. And those people, and, and I love them, don't get me wrong, but I mean, they just, 
They'd knock on your door, questioning everything, you know, what you're going to do. Not everybody there, but just some of them. You know, those old, he old heads that have been there trying to control everything. And here I am, a young pastor, and they think they can take control of me too, you know. Hallelujah. Knocking on the door, you know, questioning my decisions and things. I said, are you kidding me? I said, I'm, I'm working a full-time job trying to pastor this church. I'm trying to help you pay the note off, you know, at the same time. And you're coming knocking on my door complaining about my decisions that I've made. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Which completely shocked me because I thought they loved me. And I thought, I, and I loved them and I thought they loved me and I thought they loved the work of God and I knew I loved the work of God. But it's, I'm just trying to tell you here today, church, that it's not easy. Do you understand? you got to make a commitment to something someday. Hallelujah. If you don't make it here someday, you need to make a commitment somewhere. And it's, it's not going to be easy. It's going to get difficult. And so when Abimelech comes to Abraham, he said, I want to enter into covenant with you, but it has to be based on truth. And it has to be a long-term commitment because if it's not based in truth and it's not a long-term commitment, this is over. Amen? If you love the Lord, lift your hands. How many are glad you came to church? Okay, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm glad you came too. I'm glad you came too. But I'm just telling you, nobody's going to make it in life if you're not committed to something. If you're not committed to paying your bills, you know, committed to the house you're living in, whatever, rent or buying it or the car you have or the marriage you're going to get into or in right now, if you're not committed, you're not going to, it's not going to survive. If you're not committed to God, amen, come on, somebody, a lot of people want to come to church, they don't want to give anything. They just want to take, 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 take. They want the church to give to them. Give, give, give. You understand? And when God says, now it's time for us to get real here. I want a long-term commitment from you. Amen? Then we have to be willing to be like that, that kind of a person. Say, I'm not going anywhere until... It doesn't matter how hard it gets. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Because sometimes it does get difficult. Sometimes God requires you to do things that are very, very, very difficult. But I live for the cause as we sang this morning. And I live for the truth. Hallelujah. And He's worthy. He made a commitment to me. He went all the way to Calvary and He died on that cross. And He shed His blood. They nailed His hands and nailed His feet and pierced His side. He made an ultimate commitment to me. He gave it all. And I can't say, nor can you say, that you've given it all. But He did. He gave it all. Hallelujah. I live for the cause. I live for what? The truth. And so the song that, was, that Sister Natalie chose this morning fits perfectly with this message because Abimelech is saying this has to be based in truth. I live for the truth. And it has to be a long-term commitment. I live for the cause. And it's going to get hard. And it's going to get harder in these last days. And soft people are not going to make it in this hour. And I'm not trying to be mean to you or anything like that. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. If you're soft, if you're not a soldier, if you're not committed, if you're not living for the cause and living for the truth, you're not going to make it in the days that are going to come. Because it's going to get hard. It's going to get very hard. Very, very hard. In the last days, there's the Bible. Jesus said there's going to be tribulation like the world has never seen. 
And there's going to be a shifting and there's going to be a shaking. And the Bible tells us there's going to be a separation that takes place in the last days between those that are committed to God and those that are not committed to God. Those that are not committed are called apostates. Those that are committed to God are called the remnant. And I'm telling you right now, God, you know, whether we realize it or not, I believe God is trying to put some iron in our blood. Trying to put some iron in our blood. So we're not going to be so soft, especially in the United States of America. And I don't know what I'm going to see when I go to Zambia, but I don't think it's going to be quite like we see here. We have so much here. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm just telling you right now that, that God help America. God help the American church because I believe we're a, we're a little bit soft. We can't handle correction. We can't handle commitment. We can't handle these things. But this is what is required if you're going to live for God. And if an earthly king can come to Abraham and say, I want something based in truth and I want a commitment from you that's long term. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You need to make up your mind. I'm going to be committed to my marriage. I'm going to be committed to my God. I'm going to be committed to my church. And if you do, you will scarcely be saved. In fact, Jesus said concerning the last days, He said, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. She called you hear what your pastor's preaching to you right now? That's what Jesus said about the last days. If it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. If the righteous, Peter said, scarcely uh, be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Hallelujah. You're scarcely going to make it. That's the kind of, of warfare and kind of tension and kind of pressure and kind of tribulation that's coming in this hour. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. The pressure's on right now. There's a lot of spiritual pressure, a lot of pressure going on in the spirit world. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness are at war. If you can't see it by looking at the Middle East, then you are blind. Because it's not about men fighting men, it's about spirits fighting spirits. It's about demons being unleashed in the end times. With violence and murder. You understand? And I don't care what the President of the United States says. It is jihad. It is a holy war. You understand? It is a, it is a war related, based on religion and based on spirit. Do you hear what I'm telling you right now? So if you don't think that we're in a warfare right now, just look in the Middle East. Because the Middle East is a picture. When you see people fighting in the Middle East like they're fighting right now, it is a picture of what's going on in the spirit world. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Babylon is the seat of civilization. You look at Babylon, no wonder Babylon is in the end time news once again. You understand? In the news in these last days because Babylon is the seat of civilization. Praise God. And so when we look at what's happening in Babylon, you need to understand that's what's going on in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And the enemy, the, the devil, he's a terrorist. He wants to take us down. He wants to kill us. He wants to murder us. He wants to steal from us. He wants to destroy us. So you're going to have to be a soldier in this hour. It is not time for anybody to get soft. Let them come and let them go. And don't chase them. Because somebody that's going to be for real are going to be here anyway. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Because you're people of commitment. Say it with me. I'm living for the cause and I'm living for the truth. 
How many of you are making up your mind right now? You, your mind's been crazy. Your mind's been messed up. And you're making up your mind right now. I'm living for the truth. And I'm living for the cause. I'm making a commitment. It's a long-term commitment. Hallelujah. Anything in life it requires a commitment. Anything in life. But especially eternal things. So when this earthly king Abimelech comes, again, that's the title of this Philistine king. That's not his name. When he comes to Abraham, he wants to enter into this covenant, but there are terms to a covenant. You know? Say terms to a covenant. One is truth. One is commitment. So we look at it. And he says in verse 23, Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son. Truth and commitment. But according to the kindness that I've done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. Now as we look down a little bit, as I preach through here, we're going to see that something has happened. That some of the servants of, of Abimelech, uh, the Philistine king, have come and stolen by force or by violence the well that Abraham's servants had dug. And so now we see Abimelech said, Now I want you to be kind to me, Abraham, like I have been kind to you. And then Abraham is going to look at the situation. He says, Not too kind. Because your servant stole my well. So we've got to deal with this. So Abraham, do you understand what I'm saying? Abraham, we'll get there in a minute. Abraham's going to tell Abimelech if we're going to do this based on truth and based on the commitment. And if you're saying that you've been kind to me, well, there's some unkindness that's been showed to Abraham. And we need to deal with this evil before we can go on any further. If we're going to have a covenant with a covenant of peace, then we must deal with the evil. We must deal with the cause. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? And we'll get to that in just a moment. But these are the terms. So he says, swear. I want you to swear. I want you to call on the name of your God, Elohim. And I want you to swear by the name of Elohim, the creator of the heavens and the earth. When you enter into this covenant, and basically when you call on His name, Elohim, the creator of the heavens and the earth, you are saying that if this covenant is violated, let God's wrath come on you. Abimelech says these are the terms of the covenant. It must be based on truth. It must be based on commitment. And I want you to be kind to me like I show kindness to you. But I want you to call on the name of your God when you enter into this covenant. I want you to swear by an oath by the name of God that you will keep this commitment that we're entering into. And Abraham, if you break this covenant, let God's wrath, the God of creation, come upon you. That's how serious this commitment was. Do you understand? I just wonder how many people would make that kind of commitment to God. Or to say, I'll live for you in truth and I'll, live, I'll make commitment to you and I'll swear by your name, God, Elohim, the Creator, that if I break this covenant that, that I've entered into you, God, with, then let your wrath come upon you, on me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, really, ultimately, that's what's going to happen. If I break the covenant that I have with God, if I apostatize, if I go away from God and I stop living for the Lord, guess what's going to happen? The wrath of the Creator, Elohim, the God of power and creation and the God of order is going to come upon me. Do you understand that? So as we look at this, there's a typology here. Hallelujah. So Abraham, we want to make this covenant. But Abraham, I want you to swear by your God. 
Now I want you to see something interesting. Abraham does not go back to, to Abimelech and say, I want you to swear by him too. Mm -mm. Okay. Abimelech asked Abraham to swear by the name of Elohim. But Abraham did not ask Abimelech to swear by the name of Elohim. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? Because the people that will descend out of Abraham's loins, not just the physical descendants of Israel, but the spiritual descendants of Israel, uh, of Abraham, which is you and I, the church, are people who make promises and keep them. But the heathen make promises and do not keep them. You look at the history of Israel. They have entered into covenants with the nations of the world and they have kept their promises. But the nations of the world, they said we will enter into these covenants, but they do not keep the covenants that they make with Israel. And God knows that. So in the Scripture we have Abraham who represents Israel uh, making a covenant and swearing by the name of God. But we don't have the heathen nation swearing by the name of God. Because they're not going to keep that covenant. In fact, with time, as you go through the word of the Lord, the Philistines will later become great enemies to the nation of Israel. Philistia will become great enemies. And they are in this last days right now. Y'all understand where they are? Philistia, Gaza, and so on and so forth even today. Are you with me here? There's terrorists in that territory in Israel. They are enemies to Israel to this day right now. Do you understand that? So this covenant that God Abraham is going to enter into, he's going to call upon the name of God. He's going to keep that covenant. But the Philistines in history is going to break this covenant. They're going to, and the covenant will be abrogated because of their breaking the covenant. And they will become enemies of Israel in history. They still are today. And they will be an end time player in the last days. Are you all with me here? Okay. So we look at it. He says in verse 23, Now therefore swear unto me here by Elohim, by God, that thou wilt not deal falsely with me. Nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast uh, sojourned. Verse 24, And Abraham said, I will swear. Uh, notice, again, Abimelech does not swear on the name of Elohim. It is Abraham that swears on the name of Elohim or makes a commitment, an oath uh, to keep this contract, to keep this covenant with God looking over it. And if it's broken, then the wrath of God will come upon them. Now, as we go on, the Bible says, so Abraham agrees, I will swear. Now, why is this again happening? It is because Abimelech, along with his chief officer, who is over the armies, have come to Abraham and says, we want to enter into this agreement with you because we see that God is with you. And anybody that has been protected and preserved, anybody that has, has supernatural miracles taking place in their life like Abraham has, I want to be in a relationship with that man. Understand? So they saw the success of Abraham. They saw the blessings of God upon Abraham's life. They saw the miracles that God worked on the behalf of Abraham. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what caused this man to want to be in a relationship with Abraham because of the relationship Abraham had with his God. It wasn't because Abraham had a great personality. It wasn't because Abraham was handsome. He might have been. It wasn't because Abraham had money. It was because 
God was with that man that other people wanted to be in a relationship with that man. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible goes on. And I won't preach long this morning. Are you with me? But I want you to get, I want you to get this message. Now the Bible says, if we go on a little further, Abraham says, I will swear. I'm going to enter in that covenant. I'm going to call on the name of God. At His name, I'm going to trust. And if I break that covenant, then His judgment's coming on me. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The Bible says this, verse 25, but Abraham reproved Abimelech. Now in the 20th chapter, Abimelech reproved Abraham. But here Abraham is reproving Abimelech. There are contrasts in the two. In the 20th chapter and this, this chapter here, Abimelech rebuked Abraham in chapter 20. Abraham is rebuking Abimelech in chapter 21. Do you see that? And what is this rebuke? Well, Abraham knew that he had to take care of some evil that had taken place before this covenant could be entered into. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm sorry if I'm putting you to sleep, but I'm doing my best to try to keep you awake. And so here's what Abraham said. Abraham reproved Abimelech because of the well of a well of water. Say a well of water. Now the Bible doesn't give us details as to where this well came from, how it came into existence. But the Bible tells us that Abraham claimed the rights to that well, but the Philistine servants of the king of Philistia came and stole that well with strife. Okay? And so it's implied then that Abraham's servants had dug the well. And Abraham looked at that well of water and he claimed it as his own. But the Philistines' servants had come and taken it by violence. Now in that land, water is very, very valuable. There's not a lot of rivers flowing. There's not a lot of rain coming down there. You can't go to the nearby lake. Just It's a dry place. It's a wilderness. So if you've got a well there, to water your herds with. You understand? I mean, to live, you have to have water. So in that land, then the water is very valuable. To have a, have a well is very valuable. Remember the time not long ago when we had a drought? And I guess we're still in drought in Texas. The people were drilling wells all over Odessa, Texas. I mean, wells were costing five to $10,000 a pop, man. That's how people, how busy people were, uh, you know, drilling these wells because of the drought. The lakes were down, you know. And so wells, all you, it take you months and months and months to even get somebody out there to even drill the well. And I'm talking about in Odessa, Texas. That shows you how valuable water is. And in this land, there's, there's not as much water in that land as there in, is in Texas. So to have a well that's extremely valuable. And there, so there's fussing and there's fighting over this well, the Bible tells us. Abraham says, it's mine. It belongs to me. And so he goes on and he explains. He says, he reproved Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I what not who had done this thing. He said, I didn't know it happened. Implying that if I had known that my servants had come and done that, I would have put a stop to it. He said, I didn't know about this. I didn't know this happened to you, Abraham, that the servants of Philistines had come and, and violently taken this well. Didn't know about it. 
Neither didst thou tell me. You didn't tell me, Abraham, that this happened. Didn't know that. I didn't know about this evil. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Neither yet heard I of it, but today. This is the first time I've heard of it. You're telling me about this situation, this evil that's taking place, and I'm just now learning about it. You're just now telling me about it? And so the Bible tells us, verse 27, And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a what? A covenant. In the Hebrew, it literally means they cut covenant. Now, if I take that to mean what it means, they did the same thing that Abraham did in the 15th chapter. When God was going, the eternal king of kings, in contrast to an earthly king here, Abimelech, the eternal king of kings entered into a covenant with God, with Abraham, and that covenant was an eternal covenant. And the Bible tells us when God and Abraham entered into a covenant with each other, they cut covenant. There was blood sacrifice that was there. It was a blood covenant. So if I understand the passage right, some people say that Abraham just gave gifts to Abimelech. Again, another contrast because Abimelech had given gifts to Abraham in the 20th chapter. Some people say that Abraham just gave gifts to Abimelech. But the word covenant means literally to cut covenant. So it is possible, if we take the word literally, that there was a blood covenant that was entered into with Abraham and this Philistine king. Are you with me? But they had to take care of this evil or this situation concerning the well. Do you understand? You can't go forward in a covenant and make peace with people until you deal with the evil. See, a lot of times people say, well, I'm going to make, my, I'm going to make a commitment to you. And you want to make a commitment to me. But they never address the wrongs. They never, they never seek to find out about evil. You cannot establish peace in any situation, in a church, in your home, anywhere. Peace with God until evil is first dealt with. Help me, Jesus, not to be deceived. Help this church to not be deceived. If you think that you're going to have peace in your home and have unrepentant sin in your home, it may appear that way for a while, but eventually it's all going to come apart. It's going to unravel. Until you deal with the evil first, you cannot have peace. Give God some praise. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And so Abraham has to deal with the evil before he can enter into peace. Now watch this. I want to show you how powerful God is. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation when the rider on the red horse begins to ride, the Bible says he's got a sword in his hand. And his, his purpose for riding is to take peace from the earth. Do you understand that? Why is God allowing... Woo, did you hear that? That's a prophetic word. This rider on the red horse is sent forth. It's an end time judgment from God. And that rider is to take peace from the earth. Do you see it right now? Why is that rider riding? To take peace from the earth. But why? Why is it riding to take peace from the earth? Because God wants to give you a what? A revelation of Jesus. 
And so what he will, what God, God is the one, if you look at Revelation chapter 6, God is the one that is calling forth the rider on the red horse. It's not the devil that's calling the rider on the red, red horse. It is God that's calling the rider on the red horse to take peace from the earth. Why? So the earth can get a revelation of Jesus. Now listen to what I'm saying. You cannot have peace until sin is dealt with in your life. So God will send forth the rider on the red horse with a sword in his hand to take peace from your earth so you can get a revelation of Jesus that Jesus is sitting on the throne. Not Allah, but Jesus is God. You understand? Allah is a demon. It's not a God. You hear what I'm saying? Now, oh, this is interesting. I am not planning on preaching like this. I'm just preaching by the Holy Ghost today. And I'm going to say, this is interesting. You know what's interesting to me? Because I didn't plan on saying anything. But do you realize even Bill O'Reilly with Fox News the other night got on the television and he called for the pastors of America to stand up and to say something about Islam, to say something about what is going on in our world right now, to call the church. Hallelujah. And he said call the church to call the representatives and, and so the president would do something about it. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you to get on the phone and call your representatives to tell Obama to do anything. What I'm going to tell you to do is to begin to pray and seek God. Begin to intercede and speak to the one that sits on the throne, Jesus Christ. Get a revelation of Jesus in this hour. And yes, I do believe that something needs to be done. But until you bind the strong man, which is Satan, until you bind the strong man, which is demon powers, you will not be successful in a physical war. So the church is, hallelujah to the Lamb, the church's responsibility is spiritual. Because there is a rider riding forth right now with a sword in his hand, hallelujah to the Lamb, to take peace from the earth. Why? So the world can get a revelation of Jesus Christ. You are living in prophetic hour, a prophetic hour right now. You are living in prophetic days right now. You can see it with your eyes, but you do not understand why it's happening. It is happening because everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken so that Jesus can be made known in the last days. What we have to do is make Jesus known. Our responsibility as a church is to spread the gospel throughout the world and make Jesus known. You convert those people to Jesus Christ. You won't have jihad. But even Bill O'Reilly on Fox News, the, the number one news station in America is calling for the church to do something about the atrocities in the Middle East. Now, what am I saying there? Because I didn't plan on saying any of this to you this morning. This must be the Holy Ghost on me. I, I just give God the glory. But I'm telling you what, what you see right now is a rider on a red horse coming forth to take peace from the earth right now so that the world can get a revelation of Jesus Christ. And until, listen to me, until evil is dealt with in my life or your life, you understand? You will not get a revelation of Jesus. So what happens is he allows, because of the evil that's in the world, the evil that's in my life and your life and other people, all you know what I'm saying, the nations as a whole, the evil that's there, 
God is sending the rider on the red horse to take peace from the earth so that the earth will turn to Jesus in repentance, turn to Jesus in revival, to turn to... Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I thank the Lord for a revelation of truth. I thank the Lord for understanding in this hour right now in which we live. Are you thankful that you know Jesus? But He will continue to call for a rider on a red horse to take peace from the earth until people get a revelation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that Jesus is sitting on the throne, that He is the mighty God. He's the God of the living and not the God of the dead. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll say it again. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. He came to make us alive, not to kill us. You serve the devil. The devil, the Bible says, Jesus said about the devil, he's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's what the devil's about. But my God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That means He's the God of the living. Hallelujah. And not the God of the dead. Abraham is alive today. Abraham is alive today. Jacob is alive today. Isaac is alive today. He's the God of the living and not the God of the dead. When he says, I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's letting you know they're alive. He's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Are you with me right now? That's the God that I serve. I don't serve a God that's cutting people's heads off in the Middle East. I serve a living God. I serve a God who came to save us. I, can, I serve a God who came to give us life and not death. And if He sends a rider on a red horse with a sword in His hand to take peace from our earth, is so that people can get a revelation of this awesome Savior. This wonderful God who gives life and not death. Hallelujah to the Lamb. He'd rather for us to experience discomfort in our little world if we can have eternal life. So let Him turn it over. Let Him turn it over. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, there's going to be a turning over and a turning over and a turning over until He who's right it is will come. He made everything. He created everything. He has a right to it. And there's going to be a turning over and a turning over, Ezekiel says, until He who has the right Amen to it returns. It's going to keep happening until he comes back. Just a turning over. Tension, pressure, constant. Truth held in tension in this hour. You understand? Thank you, Jesus, for giving me understanding. Because I look in that Middle East situation, I'm going, Lord, I understand the enemy. I understand this, this demonic spirit that drives him. I understand this false situation that's there. But I didn't get a revelation of it until this morning. Are you here with me today? God, because He loves you that much, and because He loves me that much, He will allow great shakings to take place in our life, allow peace to be taken from our earth if we'll get a revelation of Jesus. You see, now listen, listen church, listen. Some of you are so occupied. You are so self-absorbed with yourself and your little problems. You need to understand something today. You need to start thinking larger than just yourself. Forgive me. I care about you. I care about your problems. But you've got to care about more than just yourself. Even a pagan king by the name of Abimelech said this. He said, I want a covenant 
on the behalf of not just myself, but my sons and their sons. See, even he cared about his people. He cared about the nation. He saw Abraham on the rise. He saw God was with Abraham. And because God was with Abraham, and Abraham's on the rise, and the, and the son, the promised son Isaac's been born and has been weaned. He sees that God keeps His promises. And this man wants to be in a relationship of peace with that kind of man. Do you understand? To give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you do. But he wanted it not just for himself. He wanted it for other people. He cared about other people. You and I are going to have to somehow shake it off. We're going to have to stop being selfish. We're going to have to stop worrying about our little world. You've got to start caring about your sons and your sons' sons. It's got to be about more than just you and more than just me. It's got to be about the kingdom of God. Come on, shake yourself. But God cannot enter into peace until evil is dealt with. You see, the cause behind the evil has to be determined before the evil can be dealt with. That's the problem with, our, with, with some of our leaders. They don't want to look at the cause that's driving this thing. They want to call it different names and different things. They're trying to avoid the spiritual side of it. Do you understand? But until you identify what's driving the evil, what is causing the evil, you will never be successful in the battle. You must decide. You must determine what is driving the evil. We've got to deal with the evil before peace can come. We have to deal with the evil. Hallelujah to the Lamb in the nations of the world before peace can come. You've got to deal with the evil in your life before peace can come. You've got to deal with the evil in your marriage before peace can come. You've got to deal with, come on somebody, you hear with me? You've got to deal with evil that's in a church system before peace can come. And so God will send that rider out to take peace from your earth until you get a revelation of Jesus. Until you enter in a covenant with Him. And when you do that, when evil is dealt with, basically, let me bring it to you so you'll understand. When you repent of your sin. Hallelujah. Amen. I want peace. How many of you want peace? I want peace. I'm a believer. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. I'm a preacher. But there's times when I don't have peace in my life. You know why? Because I'm not doing what God is calling me to do. You say, really, Pastor? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. What do you mean? Yeah, well, I'm pastoring. Yeah. I'm fixing to go here. Yeah, whatever. But I'm talking about in my personal life. I said in my personal life. Sometimes I let myself get into things I shouldn't be getting into. Hallelujah. I let myself to see things and I shouldn't be allowing myself to see. Are you with me here today? I'm allowing myself to hear things that I shouldn't be. Come on, give God some praise. It's a fight. The enemy wants to take your walk with God away. He wants you to fall for temptations. You don't think temptations are not going to be there? He's going to send them by the handfuls. Are you with me? You have to fight all the time. Say, no God. 
I'm not going to do that, God. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. I can't yield to it. It's going to kill me. It's going to kill my kids. It's going to kill the... Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. If you won't admit, if you won't admit it, you're already defeated. You're already whipped. If you can't get real with yourself and say, you know what, I'm acting Laodicea. I'm acting lukewarm. I'm neither cold nor hot. Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold. Make up your mind one way or the other. Be cold or get on fire. He said, I don't want you to be tepid. I don't want you to be neutral. I don't want you to be lukewarm. He said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. So when I say that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm lukewarm in some areas of my life. I'm lukewarm in some areas of my life. Hallelujah. And I, as David said, I'll not be satisfied until I awake in his likeness. I'm not satisfied with my walk with God. I'm not satisfied with your walk with God. I'm not satisfied with what we're doing as a church. I am not satisfied. But it starts with me. Amen. How can I point a finger at you if, if it, you know, it's got to start with me. Revival's got to start with me. I personally believe that if I have revival, you're going to have revival. I personally believe if I, if I, if I'm where I need to be, that by the grace of God, you'll be where you need to be. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So I'm not going to live in self-denial. I have to fight the temptations off. And God will allow the red horse riders, figuratively, symbolically speaking, to come into my life to take my peace. So I'll get in a prayer room and pray like I'm supposed to. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not in adultery. I'm not committing adultery against my wife. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about not praying enough. I'm talking about not, are you with me right now? Not having a prayer life like I should have a prayer life. Not trying to, re, not winning the souls, the souls that are lost and dying and on their way to hell like I should be. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Just living complacent, walking by people that are going to die and go to hell not say one thing to them. I'm just trying to tell you I'm not where I should be. If I can walk by a soul and don't even care if they die and go to hell, I'm not where I should be. Eternity is a long time. And before we get through with this message, Abraham will say he is El alone. He's the God of eternity. So don't, don't, don't get shocked when I say that. I'm going to be transparent. I'm not going to play the game that some preachers play. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not satisfied with myself. I'm not. I'm not satisfied with my prayer life. I'm not satisfied with where I, where I should be. So God will allow that horse to come into my life and take peace from my life so I can get a revelation of Jesus. So I'll seek Him the way He should be sought. So I'll stop getting offended for every little thing that comes my way. Get my feelings hurt. And cry and whine like a little child. It's time for me to be, quit you like men. It's time to grow up. Quit you like men. Be a man. It's time to grow up. That's what I'm talking about. So there cannot be any peace between me and my God. God has made peace with us. But through the blood of His Son. 
But have we made peace with Him? Have you made peace with God? He can't be at peace with some of our lifestyles. Who in this church, you got Jesus living inside of you, who in this church could even have Jesus come and sit in your living room and be comfortable? Be comfortable with, with what you do, how you live. Be comfortable with what's going on between your husband and your wife. Be comfortable with what's going on between you and your kids. To be comfortable with what, what you watch with your eyes, what you listen to, how you live. Could you even invite Him into your house? No, because there's evil. So God says in His love and His mercy, He's a gracious God. He said, I'll send that, horse, that red horse rider to your home to take peace from your earth. So you'll start seeking Me. You'll start living the way you should live. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So Abraham knows it. He said, we, we, we've got to deal with something here before we can enter into peace. We have to deal with the evil that's here. And that evil is some of your servants are coming and by violence, they're taking, in the, way, they're taking the well. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If I say it to you again, if you think living for the Lord, you know the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is violence and the violent take it by force. You're not going to kill anybody. It's about being violent in your walk with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you do, give God a hand clap of praise. If, if, if you can't see the spiritual typology here, between Abraham and an earthly king is really a type of Abraham and, and the eternal king and, and myself and yourself in covenant with the eternal king. I pray that you're starting to begin to open your understanding the Word of God is. But you need to realize is if you've got a well of water, it's very valuable. Because you know how many people today right now are dying from thirst. They are dying with spiritual thirst. And you've got a well. And I've got a well. And all we have to do is sing to it. Just like Israel did in the wilderness. Spring up, oh well. And that well of water will begin to flow in us. It's Jesus. It's the Spirit of Jesus. You've got a well and it's of great value. But if you don't, if you don't understand that the enemy is going to come and try to, by violence, take that well, look at the Scripture. Abraham had a well. You got a well. And the enemy is after that well of water that's on the inside of us. And he will try, he will come in violence to take it. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So Abraham does this in verse 27. He says, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech. And both of them made a covenant. This is the first level. After the agreement to be truthful and be long-term in the commitment to show kindness to one another, are you with me here to deal with the evil? To deal with the evil? Deal what was called, with what was causing the evil? Now we can enter into the covenant. It takes the sac these sacrifices, these animals, and Abraham gives them to Abimelech to enter into this covenant. It's, based, it's backed up by the sacrifice, typically the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says this. They made that covenant. 
But then Abraham does something very interesting. He goes over in verse 28, he goes over to his herd of sheep and he gets seven. Seven. Say seven. seven. What I'm about to share with you is very powerful. He takes seven ewe lambs. That means seven female lambs. Sheep. Not lambs, but sheep. Out of his herd. And sets them aside. And Abimelech looks up and Abimelech sees these seven female sheep just standing there. Separated from the flock. Abimelech doesn't know what they're for. So he questions Abraham about this. And so verse 29, Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? What, what's going on? Why do you got these seven female sheep? Say seven. Ooh. What are you doing, Abraham? With seven female sheep. Let me give you some of the symbolism. First of all, seven is the number that represents God Himself. Represents God Himself. Seven is the number of completion. Seven, are y'all with me here? Is the number of, of covenant. Do you understand? Give God praise. So these seven here represent covenant. They represent God Himself. You understand? Uh, completion. Seven. Are you here? Amen. And these are female sheep. They are responsible for the future of the whole flock. If you don't have female sheep giving birth, obviously, to little lambs, the herd will cease to exist. And so, what Abraham is saying is, just like these sheep, the future of the herd depends on them. They are female. And just like these, these seven represent God Himself, a covenant with God Himself, I'm going to set these seven over to the side. I'm going to give them to you. And I'm going to give them to you. And they are a testimony that this well belongs to Abraham. This is a sealing of the ownership of this well of water. And Abimelech, as long as you see those seven ewe lambs, sheep there, it will testify to you over and over and over that the well belongs to Abraham. That it's his by right and we're sealing this covenant and this ownership by these seven ewe lambs. And God, God, the number of God, is backing it. Do you understand this? If you do, say praise the Lord. Alright? The Bible doesn't say this, but when you study Jewish writings, you will find out that this covenant was so important to Abimelech that if one of these seven lambs sheep died, Abimelech replaced it because he wanted to be reminded that that well belonged to Abraham. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I don't have time to get into a lot of these, these details that are not in the Scripture, but it's very interesting. So, what Abraham is saying is this, is we're going to ratify, we're going to seal the ownership of this well by these seven female uh, sheep, praise the Lord. And the Bible tells us as we go along here, 
verse 30. And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. So I told you earlier we didn't know where it came from, but Abraham said he dug it. But the Philistines were coming after it. So this well belongs to Abraham now, and it's sealed with this, these, these seven ewe lambs to back up uh, the ownership of it. If you understand what I'm saying here by the word of the Lord, it's a contract, basically, is what's been entered into. You sign a contract. They did it this way. Okay. So, the well belongs to Abraham. And as long as Abraham is alive, this well is to be recognized by the Philistines as Abraham and his descendants' well. Do you, do you understand this? The problem is that 70, Abraham's going to live another 70 years from this point. When he dies, in the 26th chapter of the book of Genesis, the Philistines come and clog up the wells after the death of Abraham. They violate this covenant. Okay, we'll get to that later. So anyway, the Bible goes on and tells us in verse 34, the agreement is entered into, wherefore he called that place Beersheba, Beersheba means bear, means well. Sheba means seven. Well of seven. What's interesting is the word Sheba, which we get, we translate seven to seven in the English, can also be translated oath. So Abraham called this the well of seven or the well of the oath that has just been entered into. Are y'all with me here? All right. Say praise God. Now, Beersheba. Now that's where Abraham lives. This covenant has been made in Beersheba, the well of seven or the well of the oath. And, and Beersheba, from Dan, you'll see the term in the Bible, from Dan to Beersheba. Beersheba is the extreme border of Israel. It borders with the Philistines. And right now, Abimelech and his general have made their way over to Beersheba, this border territory. Okay? And that's where the covenant is entered into. In the border, in the border area. Okay? Say praise the Lord. So evidently Abraham is living here in Beersheba at this time. So they enter into this covenant, Beersheba, the well of the oath, and the Bible says, verse thirty two, thus they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech rose up and filled Cole the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. Interesting. Ultimately, all of that land, the land of the Philistines, which is by the Mediterranean Sea today, get a map and look at it where Gaza is, so on and so forth, that land right there, it will become ultimately the land of Israel, the land of the Israelites. But at this time, the Philistines are in control of it. And Abraham is living right on the border of Philistine land. Okay, you with me here? Now, again, at this time, the Philistines own it. But it will become, in the future, the property of Israel. Now, the Scripture tells us here, again, what's going on? This covenant between these two are being entered into of peace. An agreement about the will has been entered into, backed up by the seven ewe lambs. And the Scripture tells us that... Abimelech and his chief captain returned to the land of the Philistines. Interesting. 
So is Beersheba, does Beersheba belong to the Philistines or does Beersheba belong to Abraham? It says they return to the land of the Philistines. Uh, I'm, I'm really not going to get into it, but ultimately it will become, I'm thinking out loud, forgive me, it will become eventually land of Israel. Okay. We go on down though, and the Bible says this covenant has been entered, and entered, entered into, and the scripture says in verse 33, and Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba. Beersheba is the well of Oath. And as a, um, a reminder, a symbol of this covenant, he plants really an orchard. It's not just one tree. It's an orchard of trees. Why would he do that? Because that's the way you seal covenants. When you enter into a blood covenant, and you seal that covenant with blood, and you take the steps, and I, I've already taught that to you in the past, you plant a tree and you sprinkle it with blood. It's a picture of Calvary. And so Abraham plants this tree. And this tree becomes basically not just a tree, but an orchard of trees. It becomes a temple of worship unto the one true God of the Bible. An open air temple. It really is an altar, is what it is. Interesting. And this tree, you take time to study, you'll find out it's an evergreen tree. Evergreen. It's evergreen. It speaks of eternal life. Trees in the Bible speak of life. And so we have the well, amen, praise God. And as a result of this covenant that's been entered into, this covenant of peace has been entered into, we have a tree that's been planted right here, and it becomes a center of worship for Abraham and his descendants. A sign that life... Amen. Is in a, in the relationship with God. So they plant that tree. He plants a grove in Beersheba and called there what? He called there on the name of the Lord. So we have a tree to commemorate the covenant with an earthly king, but behind it is the covenant that that Abraham has with the eternal king. Okay, And so, in response to God's provision and God taking care of Abraham and God providing for him this well and, and God protecting him from the nations around him and, and God giving him a promised son. Are you with me? And God continually providing for Abraham. Abraham said, I'm going to plant this tree to glorify God as a symbol that He is the one who gives me life. And I'm going to call on His name. I'm going to worship this God who has protected me and provided for me continually. He has fulfilled His promises that He gave me back in the 12th chapter of Genesis just for your sake. From Genesis 12 all the way up to this point, Abraham is saying that God has been with me and God has provided for me and God has continually taken care of me and my family and God has kept His promises to me and He's provided me a well. He's provided me a son. He's provided me a peace treaty with my neighbors. God gets the glory. So I'm going to plant this tree and and give God the glory and the honor for what He's done all these years. 
it becomes a worship center. And I come to a close. And the Bible says, and he called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. He calls him El alone in that place. El alone, God, the eternal God. God, the God who lives forever. The God who cannot die. You understand that? Abraham saying, my God lives forever. He is the eternal God. He's the one that directs time. He's the one that created time. He's the creator of all things. He's the one who originated all things. He is alone, El alone, the eternal God. He as the one who directs time, created time, and created all things and the originator of all things. He's the one that is the originator of everything that's happened to me and for me. He is my provider. He's the one that continually watches out for me. He is the source of my life. He is the provider of everything that has happened to me. Are y'all with me right now? So he's commemorating the faithfulness of God from the beginning all the way through his life to this point in his life. He's saying God is always continually, eternally, everlastingly faithful to me. He has never let me down. He's always provided for me. He is the creator of all things and the source of all things. He lives forever. And this is the God that I serve. Abraham said. And this is the God that you serve. You can say he's El Elom today. You can worship him that way. You can say he's the God that continually. As the eternal God. Provides for me. I look back in my life. I can tell you. I started living for the Lord when I was 18 years of age. Baptized in Jesus name. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Shortly thereafter. I've been living for the Lord for over 30 years. And I'm going to tell you something today. I can say He is El Elom. He is the God. As I look back in my life, I look back 30 years, Brother Jared, in my life, and I can tell you He is a God that's been faithful continually as the eternal God. I can tell you He has provided for me. He has taken care of me and my family and my children. Hallelujah. He's taken care of this church. He's taken care of you. He's taken care of His people. Hallelujah. I can look back and I can see miracles that have taken place in my life. Miracles that have taken place for my children. Miracles that have taken place for you. I want to tell you... No wonder Abimelech wanted to be in a relationship with Abraham. He said, because God is with you, Abraham. And anybody that has the kind of success that you have, Abraham, I want to be in relationship with that man. And Abraham said, he is the one who has made me successful. He's the one that has provided for me, protected for me, and done all these things for me. And when I look at that, well, Abraham is saying, he's saying, I see the eternal God who's always faithful. I see the God, the eternal God that I entered into a covenant with, which is an eternal covenant, which is even greater than a temporary covenant. I made it with an earthly king. Are y'all with me here today? So no matter what you're going through right now, you need to understand this. 
As we look at the patriarchs, patriarchs in the Old Testament, the fathers, that's what patriarch means. We look at the fathers. Sometimes because of the way the Bible reads, it seems like it's one crisis after another and one miracle after another. And, and in some cases, that's true. But sometimes in their life, they just had just an everyday, normal type of life. Just like you do, just like I do. But when God was needed, when a miracle needed to take place, Abraham said, God always came through. He is the originator of my blessing. He is my provider. And He's been faithful continually. That's the point. All through my life. I saw Him deliver me and my wife two times from death. One from the hand of Egypt, one from the hand of the Philistine. I saw God give me a son, a promised son that I could not naturally produce. I saw God give me victory over kings in my life. I see God once again providing for not only Abraham, but the nation that will come, the land that he's living in, and a well to take care of them. A testimony that God not only would be with him up to this point, but that God would be with them for the rest, forever and ever and ever. That he's a God of the living and not the God of the dead. That's the kind of God I serve. And that's the kind of God you serve. He is El the eternal God. And no matter what I'm facing, no matter what obstacles I'm facing in life, I can tell you this because He is El Elohim. He's in control of everything. He's the originator, the source of everything, the provider. He is the God who cannot die. And I will say this to you, that no matter what happens to you in your life, He's still God. And there is no king, earthly king, and there is no circumstance in this world as long as you walk with El alone that can take the control out of His hands. He's in control of everything. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And in this last days, as you see things seem to be coming unraveled. You need to understand He is El alone, the eternal God. He is in control. There's no earthly king that's in control. He is. And He's moving everything in time because He, as the eternal God, is directing time and created time and creation is limited time, but He is not. And He's behind everything, moving it to fulfill His purpose that the world might have. A revelation of Jesus. And so as I come to a close, people would come by that tree, that grove that Abraham had built in Beersheba where that well was. And they would receive provision there. The Jewish writer said, provision there. And they would walk away from there. And they would say, Abraham's a good man. He's provided so many good things for us. He gave us something to eat. and All these good things. And Abraham would look at them and say, it's not Abraham. It's El alone. He's the provider. So, when Abraham, according to Jewish writers, would say that to those people, they would break out and they would start rejoicing and worshiping. El alone, the eternal God. Hallelujah. The one who provides. 
for all of us. He's dependable. I said he's dependable. He's faithful. How many of y'all believe he's faithful? He has no beginning or ending of days. El Elom is really an interpretation or a description of yod heh vav hey. I am that I am. The eternal God. And we can trust Him. And we can take Him at His word. So let us worship Him like Abraham. And give Jesus, give God the glory for everything and anything that's happened in our life. Hallelujah. Lift your hands if you trust Him as your provider. And worship Him as the eternal God. The God who cannot be killed. The living God. Hallelujah. Jesus, right now I trust you that you are directing everything that's going on in my life and everything that's going on in this church. And Hallelujah. You provided for us. You've taken care of us continually. And Father God, as we go forward and we serve you, we make these commitments to the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. We enter into the covenant with you, Lord, a covenant based on truth, based on commitment, based on your loving kindness, based on the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you today. The God who is represented by the number seven, the complete God, the eternal God. Lord Jesus, that's you. And I thank you right now for the opportunity to live for you, to serve you, so that I can stand before a people and declare that anything that's good about me has come from El alone, Jesus. That everybody may come to worship you in spirit and in truth. Would you lift your hands and give glory to the Lord for His faithfulness to you. He is a faithful God. Hallelujah. Would you be willing today to make a commitment to God based in truth? You make a commitment that you will be faithful because you know God has your future in His hands. Your future is in the hands of Jesus Christ. If you'll submit to Him and surrender to Him and repent of your sins and if you're not baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, that's where you start. And you can begin to walk with God and you won't be free from battle. You won't be free from attacks. You won't be free from all the problems in life. But you'll have the God who is faithful through and in it all. Helping you. Strengthening you. Providing for you. The one who has your future in His hands. He can do for you what nobody can do. And Abraham knew it. And if He's that God to you, Jesus is that God to you, would you lift your hands and love Him and thank Him? Because if you're here right now this morning, the God who cannot be killed is the one who gave you your breath right now. And He gave you that breath so you could say, Jesus, I worship You. Jesus, I call upon your name. Jesus. Jesus, you've never let me down. Hallelujah. He's faithful. 
Amen. There'll be many things that come and go in your life. Many things. Many things. Many battles. Many struggles. You'll go through times of pain. Times of loss. When you go through that time, you remember to be faithful to God. Because God is always faithful to you. Never, never point a finger at God and say, God, you let me down. Never point a finger at God and say, you let me down. I'm not going to live for you. You say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I don't understand why, but I trust you. You're in control of time. You're in control of the future. You are the provider, the originator of all things. In Jesus' name. You need help right now. You need help. Some of you need help. You're the Holy Ghost. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's talking right now to you. You need help right now. And He's saying to you that He can help you. That God that entered into an eternal covenant with Abraham is in this place right now to make a covenant with you. Are you willing to walk with Him? Are you willing to trust Him? No matter what you're facing in life. If you do, you'll look back in a few years and you'll see how God brought you through very difficult times. How He spared you from the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. How He protected you multiple occasions. How He provided for you made you successful in your life. Experiencing miracles that He's provided for you. If you'll walk with Him, He is El Elom. Lord Jesus, I thank You for Your awesome presence here this morning. Anything that's been done here effectively, God, by Your Spirit or by Your anointing, I give You all the glory and the honor. We know, Lord, that we're but flesh and blood. We know that we're but men who bow ourselves to eternal God. We give You all the glory and the honor and the praise forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love every one of you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus.